the parable of the pearl of great price. These parables, as mentioned again in verse 44 and 45, you mention it again in verse 47, Jesus said repeatedly in these parables, This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Evidently, the disciples had presumed that once the king arrived, which he had in his incarnation, and once John had declared that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and Jesus continued to preach that, the disciples assumed that everything would just take place instantly. They assumed that Gentile nations would bow down to the Jewish people, and that everything they had heard in the Old Testament would just immediately come to pass. Jesus, in these parables, is teaching them, wanting them to understand that the kingdom is not going to unfold like they presume, or in the manner in which they presume. So He says the kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like different soils. The kingdom is also has to be dealt with by leaving the tares among the wheat. And he goes down through each of these stories. But he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. That is the place where God rules. And where His children are glad. Where His children rejoice because He rules. We delight in that fact. John and Jesus both called for repentance because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom, John said, there stands the king. He's, begun, he's come to preach and men should repent. He told His disciples in Matthew 10, 7 that they were to go out and preach that the kingdom is at hand. And so now He begins to explain to them, to teach them and to show them Kingdom power, that is seen in His miracles. We'll see that a little more in the chapters ahead. But when He comes to Matthew 13, He wants to explain the kingdom in a deeper, more fuller, and even a more mysterious way. A few of these parables our Lord explains. He did not explain the parable we looked at last week of the treasure hid in the field, nor did He explain in our passage this morning nor did He explain the parable of the, of the pearl of great price. And so we must be careful as we tread through this portion of God's Word, as we should all of it, but especially in these parables when there's no specific explanation given by our Lord. One thing we know for certain in both parables, the treasure hid in the field and then the pearl of great price, is that Jesus wants those listening to understand how valuable the kingdom is, the great worth of the kingdom of heaven, the value of it, uh, the glory of it, the fact that He is bringing it here and how men should look at that and compare that to the value of a sinful life and what we have here in this world. You and I both know that we are living in a world that has almost lost its ability to place proper value upon anything. Uh, the economy fluctuates a little bit, and some things worth nothing become absolutely unpurchasable. They, their value goes extremely high. Then a day or two later, everything loses its value. That's the way it is in a fleeting world of sin. 
But in regard to the kingdom of heaven, in regard to the great message of God's salvation, in regard to Christ Himself, these these parables call upon men to look at the value and to consider what it is that is worth anything in this world. Last Sunday in verse 44, we looked at the parable of the hidden treasure. A man, is what the Bible says, finds a treasure in a field. He's either working in that field as a, as a hired laborer or he's walking across that field. And uh, he comes across a treasure. And when he finds it, he hides it back in the ground and goes and purchases that field. And he does it with great joy. He sees this treasure and he knows that this treasure is worth far more than anything he has to his account. He does nothing illegal. He does nothing unethical. That was acceptable in that day. and he, So he's not doing anything sinful or anything wrong. And he's teaching us here that he is willing to give up everything in order to gain this treasure of great value. This morning we come to a different picture, that of a merchant man in verse 45. Not a, not a field worker in verse 44, but a merchant man. Not a man who is just traveling across a piece of ground and stumbling upon a treasure, but a merchant man, a one whose, a one whose life is totally dedicated to seeking out and to finding this one pearl of great price. It's different from the story of the treasure in the field, but it also bears several similarities. Jesus said in verse 45, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man who's seeking goodly pearls. He makes his living in this lucrative trade in the fine pearls. Maybe he was the same as the businessman that the psalmist wrote about in Psalm 107, verse 23, when he said, They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters. He's talking about merchant men who either go out on top of the water and find wealth underneath it, or men who go to the edge of the water and find treasures buried that is brought in by the tide or by the waves. This merchant man in verse number 45 that we're looking at this morning is different than the man who finds buried treasure in the field. This merchant man is traveling internationally. He's not just in a limited area, but he will go wherever the possibility is of him finding this peril of great price. He works with his He works with his mind and he works with his hands. The field hand in verse 44 is working primarily just with his hands, but both the mind and the hands are working in the life of the merchant man. I think there's an important lesson for us here in looking at the difference in these two parables. A lesson for us about the nature of the kingdom of God and those who belong to it. We do not all look alike. The man in verse 44 that's in the field is totally different from the merchant man in verse 45 who is seeking goodly perils. They are totally different. If they were to have both of them here today, you probably, by just looking at them, could, could tell these men are different, and yet they are both, they are both uh, in, in light, they are both in possession now of the great treasure. Jesus is saying to us there, there is a wide variety of people in the kingdom of heaven and those who belong to it. We do not look alike. 
All of our stories do not sound alike. All of our stories are not the same. And it's dangerous when you get in a group of people, in a church or in a group of people where everyone's testimony is identical and everyone has the very same language and words to use about being a child of God. The great Apostle Paul and his Damascus Road experience is a wonderful experience, but that's not my experience. We both came to Christ as sinners. We both confessed our sin and were saved by God's grace. But I, I remind you, Yadkin Circle Road and Damascus Road were two different roads entirely, uh, and we come from two different backgrounds and nature. But the, the kingdom is made up of different, and Christ wanted His disciples to understand this. Here's a man in a field who's just out working, not looking for anything, who comes across this great treasure. Here's another man who is searching diligently. He lives, he breathes, he eats, and he sleeps in search of this peril of great prize. Again, neither of these men are buying their way into the kingdom of heaven. Neither of these men can find any relationship with God on their own. It's not teaching that because men by nature do not seek God. The message of these parables is about the recognition of both of these individuals recognizing the value of the kingdom of God, what it is worth in this world to men who need it. Here is this man in verse number 44, the field hand, and then the merchant man in verse number 45. Our church is made up, as all churches are, of different people from different places, different races, different stations in life. There are people here today who have been raised in church. You have heard the Word of God from the time you were born. Some of you, like young Timothy, you've heard the Word before you were born. Your mother and father read it to you before you ever exited the womb. They prayed over you before you ever come into this world. And you've known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise unto salvation. And also in the church this morning are people here who are saved by God's grace. You come to church maybe looking for a date. You come to church maybe looking for somewhere to go on a Saturday night. Had no intentions of ever listening to the gospel and being saved. But here you are because of God's grace. And He wants His disciples to understand whether it's a laborer, a common day laborer in the field, or a merchant man who deals in the most expensive commodities in life. He said, I want you to know the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is made up of the diversity of those types of people. Black and white, rich and poor, high school scholars and high school dropouts, high profile citizens, and people who are nobodies from nowhere find their place in the kingdom of God when they value the gospel, when they value the king, when they value the message of the kingdom, it doesn't matter, as they used to say, which side of the tracks you were on. If you value the kingdom, if you see yourself for who you are as a sinner and believe by the gift of God's faith, repent of sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven is made up of a diversity of people. That's what Jesus wanted His disciples to understand. They're probably thinking in their mind, the kingdom of heaven is about Jews like us who believe. 
And if those poor old pagan Gentiles, if they want to bow to us, then maybe God will let them in the kingdom. Jesus wanted them to understand whether it's the field hand or the merchant. He said both of these men valued the kingdom of God. The question this morning is not are you sitting here black or white, rich or poor. It's not about whether you're a scholar or not a scholar. It's not about whether you were raised in it or have come to it in total blindness. It's not about that. It is simply this. Do you value the message of the gospel? Do you value the truth that Jesus Christ gave His life at Calvary that you might be saved? That's what the kingdom is about. It's what men value. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul writing to the Galatian church. He said, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, verse number 28. So if you trust Christ for salvation, you have a home among the people of God. Regardless of who you are, where you went to school, regardless of the color of your skin, or or whether certain people approve of you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, as Jesus taught His disciples, your picture belongs in the photo album of the kingdom of heaven because of God's amazing grace. The year that I graduated from high school in 1974, I flew out to San Francisco Uh, Me and a couple other students uh, in our school flew out there to participate in a uh, parliamentary procedure contest representing the state of North Carolina. And uh, we flew out there. I I stayed with my uncle and aunt who lived in San Leandro at that time. I stayed with them a few days before going into the city to to do the competition. And uh, my aunt and uncle had supper for me that night. They had a few of their friends over and I remember one particular lady who was there that night, a very, very wealthy, well-to-do lady. Of course, I was a sore thumb coming from North Idol anyway. I was out of place uh, there, but uh, of course, my aunt and uncle didn't treat me like that. But when she found out I had just graduated and that I'd been sent uh, out to San Francisco out of our high school, four or five, I was among four or five that came out to take a parliamentary procedure contest, uh, she just assumed that I was intelligent. Now, I, I did know parliamentary procedure, but that didn't mean I knew algebra at all. Not at all. Uh, so she said, uh, were you in the... I remember we were sitting at supper, and she said, I'm so impressed and all this. She said, were you in your top 10 in your class? I said, no, ma'am. She said, were you in the top 20? And I said, no, ma'am. She said, were you in... And then she went on and naming all of these. Want to know if I graduated with with honors. And I'm thinking my dad and mom were just honored that I graduated. I mean, they were. They were glad I got through, and so was I. But I remember she made me feel very, very, very small there for just a few moments. And I said, you don't want to, and to myself, I said, you don't want to know what number I came in out of 234. You don't want to know where that come. I might have been in one of the 20s, but it wasn't the top side of it. I promise you that. I want to tell you something. When you sit in the family of God, sometimes you look at people, you look at people who want to impress you with what they think they know about the kingdom that you don't. I want to tell you whether you're a man in a field who wasn't interested in anything, just out for the day, and God in His grace 
revealed unto you the value of His salvation, or whether you've been a child raised in it who began to search the Scriptures and and to seek the things of God, I want to tell you both, by God's grace, belong in the kingdom of God. And that's representative right here in the family of God this morning. The merchant man not only was different from the field hand, but notice with me, secondly, the merchant man has an eye for detail that the other man in the previous parable did not. The man in the parable of the treasure in the field, he just found something he was not looking for and valued it. But the merchant man knows what he is looking for. He knows when he has found the right pearl because like the man in the field, he too has a willingness to sell every pearl he has and buy that pearl of great price. I don't know who had what in the value of either when it comes to what the man had in verse 44 that he was willing to sell, but I venture to say what he had to sell was far less in value than what the merchant man had to sell. But that's not the issue. That's not the issue. The issue is that both men, both men in the story, by God's grace alone, are able to value the kingdom of heaven and they're willing to give up everything they have, who they are, what they are, lay it all aside in order that they may have the treasure that is really uh, really so valuable that no man can, it, can even estimate what the value is. That's what's happening in this story. The merchant man buys this pearl of great price. Now no, look at the pearl of great price for just a moment. Pearls in Jesus' day, they were in great demand. They were very valuable. And this merchant man who dealt in fine pearls, he would have had to have traveled widely to have even had pearls that he was willing to sell, all of them, to get this one pearl of great price. So he finally has found a pearl worth more than anything else. Now, why are pearls valuable? They're valuable because they are a rare find. Now, I told you a while ago, on my scholarship intellectual level, I'm not too much as far as as book knowledge is concerned, but I have lived, soon be 66 years, and I know better than this to tell you ladies to go home and see if you got the real deal or not. We're not going to go there because I appreciate the lives of these men. I'm not going to tell you to go there. But there was no such thing in Jesus' day as a cultured pearl. We can make pearls today that are cultured, made in laboratories, that are not the real thing. They'll fool you. They'll almost look. But put under the eye of a jeweler, he can tell you rather quickly when something is a real pearl. The pearls are valuable. They were valuable then. They are valuable now. It's like the old saying, if gravel if gravel were gold, then Martin Mariel and Vulcan would be probably not located here in Caldwell County. If gravel were gold and gold were gravel, we'd be wearing rocks and driving on our rings, right? Things are not always as they seem to be, but the pearls are like that. They're valuable. They're virtuous. They're beautiful. And this was what this man was looking for. Because the pearl is something that is only created by the design of Almighty God. You see, a real genuine pearl, if it's a real genuine pearl... It is born in suffering. It comes from an oyster. A parasite, a foreign object, 
somehow gets into the side of an oyster and injures that oyster, causes an injury to that oyster. And that oyster, by the design of God, forms a substance called nacre. That nacre forms around that injury. Just like sap runs out of a tree. If you go cut a tree and injure it, by God's design, sap will run out and try to seal that to protect the life of the tree. When an oyster is injured, there's a, there's a substance called nacre that forms over that, and a pearl is born out of that. So when you have a pearl, you're, when you have a genuine pearl, you are holding something that is only valuable because it has suffered. And this man, this merchant man, he is looking for this pearl of great price. Whether he knew the details of how a pearl was formed or not, I do not know. This man in the field found a treasure, and whatever he knew about that treasure he found, he knew that treasure was there, and he knew that treasure was valuable. Can I say this this morning about the kingdom of heaven and about the gospel and about the Lord Jesus Christ? There is value there, and part of the value there, and part of the reason that you should give up everything you have today and come in faith and embrace it and believe it is because everything we have today was born in suffering. Everything we have today come by the way of the cross. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was not a Mother Teresa. He was not a Gandhi. He was not a great prophet. He was not on the level of Abraham or Muhammad or something of that nature. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was God in the flesh, is God in the flesh. He came, but He done something no man has ever done. He came and suffered a vicarious suffering and an atoning suffering and death for you and I that we might be saved. If, you, if that doesn't bring value to the message of the gospel, then tell me what would. If, if that's not enough for a sinner to say, my righteousness is as filthy rags. Everything he is is holy and pure. I willingly, by the grace of God and the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, I lay aside everything I have. I sell everything I own to embrace by faith the precious salvation in Jesus Christ. He, Christ, was not going to the kingdom by working miracles. He would go to the kingdom and bring the kingdom in its fullness by His suffering and by His death and resurrection. If Matthew's gospel ended with Christ sitting on the seashores of Galilee with 2,000 people with Him who promised to follow Him as long as He would feed them and clothe them, and do whatever they needed, then that movement may have grown a little across the time, but then someone else would have come that could have fed them differently or offered them more. Now the gospel doesn't end with Jesus sitting around working miracles and feeding people. The gospels, the gospels, the story in the gospels ends with the crucified, buried, died, resurrected, risen, Ascended Lord, our Savior, brought salvation. Do you see the value in that? If you don't, you will never, ever believe. You will never come to Him. And as I told you last Sunday, you can't see that on your own. There are many people today who read this, who will hear this, who looks at this, 
and they come away with something totally different. Joel Osteen's father, I think his name was John Osteen, preached this passage. I read part of a message, part of a message that he preached, in which he says the peril of great price is you. You. Now that fits right in with their theology. You. It's all about you. It's all about you. You're the peril of great price. The whole Mormon doctrine, the whole Mormon belief system is built upon a false interpretation of the parable of the peril of great price. Jesus said, I want my disciples to understand the value of the kingdom. The field hand did when he found the treasure. And the merchant man did when he laid eyes upon this peril of great price. There was no, no calculate, no calculators. He said, I'll sell everything I have in order to get this. What about you and Christ this morning? The peril, Jesus Christ, His kingdom. He, His kingdom is of infinite value. Mark tells us that Jesus in Mark 10, 45 gave His life a ransom for many. And He, as Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 6, gave Himself a ransom for all. The peril is not only found in the story, but the peril is obtained. And it's crucial that in both parables we see simply and clearly that the man in the field and the merchant man see what they did. Again, these stories are not teaching that you find salvation on your own or that it can be bought with money or any good works. They teach us the immense value of it. And when these men found and seen the value of it, they were willing to lay aside everything else and come to Jesus Christ. How do you think our culture, how do you think this June Sunday morning, 2022, what kind of value do you think people place on the gospel, on the kingdom of heaven, on God, on Christ? What kind of value do you think people place on it? Very little, very minimal, if any. But this man in our story this morning, verse 46, who, this merchant man, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. He was willing to separate and part with everything in order to obtain it. Now that's not a question being asked today when you hear people preaching what they call the gospel or salvation. They never ask that. They just ask, what would you like Jesus do for you? In other words, what do you want Jesus to do for you? They tell sinners that if you ask Jesus into your heart, then you can ask Him to do whatever you need, and He will do it. No one is telling sinners anymore that there is a forsaking, there's a selling, there's a giving up, there's a parting with all of these things. I read last Sunday the conversion, and I read about the, the, the pre-conversion Words of the Apostle Paul to the Philippians when he told them who he was and where he came from. But do you remember also, he said in Philippians 3, 7-9, through 9, He said these things, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss 
for Christ. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. This is what these parables are talking about. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, he valued everything he was until he was confronted with the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, and then all of that became totally without any value at all in order that he may know Christ and the power of His salvation. We don't need, a, we don't need religion. We don't need all of these. Th- what we need today is to see our worth compared to Christ. And brother... That's a no-brainer. Thank God for saving grace. You're a pauper. You're spiritually bankrupt. You're without nothing. You are under the judgment and eternal wrath of God. Here we have forgiveness, atonement, righteousness, salvation, eternal life. Brother, value the treasure. Value the pearl. Come to Christ. But you will never value this. Until you see this. Both men in the story were willing to give up this in order to have that. There is nothing in all of these two men's stuff, their treasures, their pearls, there's nothing in these two men that even come close to the value of the kingdom. Whether the stuff be good, or whether the stuff be bad. There's nothing like the treasure and the pearl. Here's the point. There is a gospel being preached. And you've heard me refer to it numerous times from this pulpit called the Health and Wealth Gospel. And it's not just on TV. It's in Baptist churches. And it preaches and teaches, takes Scripture out of context, and tells you that if you come to Christ, your life will be blessed with health and wealth. It's a lighter version a lot lighter version of the truth of God's blessings and of God's health. But one thing you find missing in that preaching is that part of selling all, giving it all away. Listen what Jesus said. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And He said to them all, Now listen to what Jesus is saying and listen to it compared to what you're hearing. Jesus said this, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. The man in the field, if he saves his Stuff, he loses the treasure. The merchant man in the parable, if he saves his parables or his pearls and don't give them away, he loses the pearl of great price. That's what Jesus said. He said he will lose his life. Jesus said, if any man will lose his life, whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of his holy angels. Luke 9, 22 through 26. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven, I want you men to understand, is like a man in the field who comes across a treasure. And when he finds that treasure, he sells everything he has and 
in order to buy the field so he can have the treasure and all the field with it. And here's the kingdom is like this merchant man, this tradesman. He deals in a fixed product. He's out after pearls. The man in the field is just out casually without looking for anything specifically, and he finds it. This man is searching diligently and looking and looking, and there comes the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is made up of both kinds of people. Both kinds of people. I had a man say to me one time when a man came to our church in Statesville. He came right out of the world, knew nothing about God, knew nothing about the Bible. He got saved and was glad he did and rejoiced in it. And, and a couple of the folks I pastored at that time who knew more than God said to me, he said, uh, I, I don't know if he should be rejoicing over that. He don't know anything about anything. In, in other words, he didn't come from our background, you know. My prayer was, Lord, don't ever let him look around and start acting like them. That was my prayer. The kingdom's made up of everyone. Preacher, I came this morning. I'm not interested in the kingdom of God. Repent and believe, and the kingdom of God can be yours. Repent and believe, and Christ will save you. Preacher, I've been earnestly seeking. God's doing something in my heart. I want to come to Christ. Come to Christ. It doesn't matter whether it's a treasure in the field or whether it's the pearl of great price. Come to Christ. What I want to take from this message and what I want you to take from this message, both last Sunday and today, is that these two men, the man in the field and the merchant men, had very different means available to them. But do you see what they did? They treasured what was revealed. They treasured what they found. They placed what they had alongside of what they found and realized the treasure and the peril far outweighed anything they had or could hold on to. I don't remember where I heard this. It's not mine originally. I did not read it, but I heard it somewhere in listening to preaching this week, and it just came back to my mind. The individual was telling about uh, growing up with a guy that was an atheist. They went to school together. And this man is now a pastor. He's a preacher. And he ran across this man years later who had moved into a certain city where this preacher was preaching. And they were talking about high school days. And he told him he had moved into town. And he said, do you know any good churches in this town? He said, well, no, not, I'm, the one I'm preaching at now is a good church. He said, but I, I don't pastor here. I pastor in another state. He said, but I'll ask the pastor here, which encouraged the preacher because he looked back at this man and he said to him, he said to him, he said, uh, you're looking for a church? And he said, Yes. And he said, well, you were a professed atheist last time I saw you. Has the Lord saved you? And he said, no, no. He said, I'm still an atheist. He said, but I got a business to run. And he said, that's one of the best places to be a part of is a church. He said, because there's good moral people there. And a lot of times there's wealthy people there. And he said, that's good for my business. Now, obviously, that man never valued the treasure. We're not here today for that kind of stuff. We're here today because Christ has revealed Himself to us in His Word. And we value Him more than we do anything else. Do you know why we sing about Him? Because we value Him. You know why we preach Him? Because we value Him. You know why we magnify Him and talk about Him and live for Him and serve Him? Because we value Him. And he wanted his disciples 
to understand that. Jesus Christ, having Him, knowing Him, loving Him, enjoying the forgiveness He provides, having our souls redeemed by Him, being clean through His blood, having been adopted into His family, having now become heirs and joint heirs with Him, and every day being changed into His likeness by one degree or another, being guided by Him through all of our brokenness as the children were singing about in our confusions, being comforted in our sorrows, being chastened and reproved in our sinfulness, and in the midst of all of that, being preserved and kept by Him through all of our dangers, and then one day be safely brought home to live with Him forever. Praise God, that's a no-brainer to me. Value the treasure. Value Christ above everything else. I close with this verse from the Psalms. The psalmist asked this question in Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Can you say that today by faith? Can you rejoice and be glad in that this morning? In light of what Jesus is teaching in the parable of the field and the merchant man and the pearl. He is calling upon each of us this morning to examine our values. To consider what it is in life that we most highly value. And I want to ask you that just before I pray and we go. I want to ask you that. What do you, what do you value the most in this world? Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Your children? Is it your house, your car, your job? Is it your spiritual standing that you believe you have that surpasses other people? Are you like the Pharisee who loves to come in a church like this and then go back to the house and when you're eating dinner, the first thing you say is, God, I thank you that I'm not like these poor ignorant people. Is that, do you, is that what you value most? Jesus asked the question in Matthew 16, 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? In other words, if he gains all that other stuff, and loses his own soul. And then he says, Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? The man and the merchant man in these two stories was willing to give all to have the treasure of the kingdom of God. What would you give? What price would you put on your soul? Sitting in a barbershop when I was about nine or ten years old, my Uncle Leland had took me to town on Saturday. I went with him on Saturday sometimes to town. The reason is he bought me stuff more than my daddy, so I rode with him. But my Uncle Leland, who drove from McLean Trucking Company, is in heaven, been in heaven since 1978, 77, somewhere right around there. We were sitting in, a, in the barbershop chair, and my uncle was listening and there was a young man standing there talking about what he had done on a Friday night. And my uncle proceeded 
to share with him about Christ. To which the young man said, I'm not interested in that. And my uncle quoted this verse, What would a man give in exchange for his soul? And he said, I'd sell my soul to the devil, he said, if I could have every Friday night like I had last night. To which my uncle replied, you can't, and you can't. And he looked at my uncle, and my uncle said to him, first of all, it's not your soul to sell, and God has already determined what's going to happen to your soul if you do not repent. Very quiet barbershop. But I remember sitting there looking back from one to the other, thinking, where's this going? Oh, I had all the respect. I respected my uncle. I walked out of that barbershop proud. I thought, my uncle just told a man that it's God and not man. How do you value what you have today? Your life. What are you, what are you, wasting? What are you spending your life on? What I mean, really, Dr. Vance Hebner said, I quoted this to an individual this week. We were talking about the gospel, and I quoted this to an individual. Dr. Vance Hebner said, I want to be remembered for more than two dates on a headstone. Brother, it's what happens in the hyphen that settles eternity. And as far as I know, everybody here today is living in the hyphen. We don't have our second date yet. What do you value most? I want to tell you this. Search the Scriptures. Read about Christ. Read about the King and His kingdom. Read about the Gospel and God's saving grace. When you do, and through the regenerating power of God, it's a no-brainer. Thank God for the value of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul, who knew everything, almost about everything, said, Now I count all of that dung that I can know Him better. What a Savior, Christ our Lord. Father, I thank You this morning for this parable, for these two specific parables in which You have magnified to us the value of Your kingdom. I thank You, Lord, that sinners do not go out just looking for salvation because that's not what sinners do. But through Your work in us, then we began to look and Lord, thank You for those that You saved, just like is here in this service today. Some come from backgrounds of being raised in this, and, and they have always searched the Scriptures from their young life to see more about Christ, and You've brought them to salvation. Others have just walked in off the street knowing nothing about You, and yet in Your grace, You help them to value Jesus and the kingdom. Lord, thank You for that amazing grace. Help each of us as we leave here to think hard and long about what we value most in life. Help us to think about the words that's been read this morning from the Scriptures, the testimony of men like Paul, who said that the things that he used to hold value to and used to cherish, those all become nothing but waste when compared to Christ. Lord, may we be people this morning that would highly value as best we can through your grace and understanding, value the great King, His kingdom, and the great message of the gospel. Help us to do that today, I pray. Lord, I want to tell you that I love you. I thank you, Father, for sending your Son to die and raise again and ascend and be seated 
and soon to return so that I could have everlasting and eternal life. May each of us grow in grace. May those lost today listening find that place of repentance. And Lord, may they cry out to God, whether it be here in the church, at home, wherever they find themselves, may they call out unto you and may they be saved. For those of us who know you, may we value the kingdom more today than we ever have. And may we bow in thanksgiving and may we bow in search of knowing more and greater truth and becoming more like you. Thank you for the privilege to preach. Thank you for the privilege to know you. Thank you for the privilege to be among the church of the living God. Thank you this morning for the treasure and for the pearl of great price. For it's in your precious name we pray and ask these things. Amen.